Hello and welcome to Explore Your Core. I'm the host Elise and on this podcast we delve inwards and explore topics around intuition, creativity, the mind and wellness. Thanks so much for joining. This is actually episode 40 which is pretty crazy to think Woof. about. Wow. Oh yeah. well thanks for having me. I'm really excited for this conversation because I know that we have a lot in common. It's a bit weird. We're kind of like the same person from what I know of you and so I'm really excited to chat about mental health. Absolutely. And for those who don't know, like Robinson, she's poured herself into many passions such as being an athlete, life coach, teacher and muralist. Um, and has unfortunately also struggled with anorexia and she's joining from Perth at the moment. Uh, we've both actually connected over conversations about murals and the more we've spoken, yeah, the more we've just how similar we are. We've been kind of bouncing off ideas. So I'm, yeah, really excited to be joined with you today. Thank you. Yeah. No, it's it's um, it's great. It's interesting you kind of say all those labels of what I do and what my passions are because, yeah, I, I feel like often people just have one or two, and and we're we're told to only have one or two passions or focuses, or you know your identity is what your job is. But I've just never fitted into that mold, and I just love life and. I love that I can almost say I do this or I do that or I, do, I change like a chameleon every day. I yeah. feel like I don't really fit into a box. So that's 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 taken me a while though. I've, I'm in my 30s and it's taken me many years to realise that that's okay. I don't have to try and just be good at one thing or identify as one kind of job or characteristic. Yeah, well, I'm actually exactly the same. Like people say, what do you do? Or like you know, what What have you done? I'm like, I don't know how to put it. I can categorise it in one thing. And I've actually just recently done, like, some outdoor ed work. So working kind of with the teacher outside. And, like, even that doesn't quite sum me up because I still, like, it would an art piece side to me. I've got so many other things. And then when I soak myself into the art world, it's like, no, but there's still, like, I love being outside and being sporty. And, like, I, everything I kind of, where I absorb myself into it's like, but that's still not quite right. Like, I love so many other aspects as well. So it's it's good that you haven't laid yourself as one thing. Well, I think in it goes a bit deeper in that I realise that it's better to have a kind of mission or a moral or a, a purpose and that can show up in many different ways. So mm. I, I don't know if you for yourself have a kind of a little mission statement about your life, but for me, I know that whatever I do, I hope to inspire, educate or empower people and that can come across in many different ways through sports coaching, through doing an art class, through listening to them in a life coaching session, through talking to them on my own podcast. So it, I think we as humans need to get away from being identified as what we do and more about what our goal is, the why. Why do we do what we do? And that will inform how we spend our time. But obviously, there's so many different ways to achieve the same outcome. So I think I, I, I try and encourage people to step out of what's your role and more ask the question, what do you hope to achieve? What's your outcome? What do you want? Yeah, not, not your role, what's your goal? That's so good. Yeah, it just came to me because I find that, yeah, really fascinating as well, that whole idea around purpose because I find that, you know, like when I am in the art world, it's like it's not just about what I'm creating like it's not just that art piece or that painting it's like I still feel like I've got a voice or I still wanted to share something or when I'm in the outdoor world it's not just 
adventuring and traveling to this place and that place it's about sharing experiences or like empowering others or kind of and as i said like about the like we both got podcasts both got the similar thing of like having a voice and kind of wanting to share yeah a bit deeper and it does go across different mediums and different areas in our life it's not subject to one i think that's about um life but in art is such a lovely kind of metaphor for life in that I'm always preaching. It's about the process. It really, cause I, I teach a lot of people how to paint. I have art therapy clients and I've taught kids, adults, fun, like sipping paint classes, all of this. And people get so hung up on what's the end result. And if you want to, you know, be quite metaphorical, life shouldn't be about what's at the end. It should be about enjoying the journey. And for me, genuinely hand on heart as long as the process the creation um the getting lost in the art of painting drawing whatever it is you're doing as long as that is your focus it doesn't matter what it looks like at the end and I don't know why people get so hung up on like oh it looks really rubbish and I teach at a school and these kids will so often more often than not throw away what they create I'm like guys like stop doing that but also that shouldn't be the be all end all have you had fun this lesson have you had a distraction have you had a a great kind of calming effect you know what's what's the reason that you're doing it for not what are you trying to achieve at the end yeah Um, and I wish people approach life a bit more like that but it's so like goal focused we're taught at school we're taught in society to set goals which is fantastic but we kind of get a little bit then caught up on the outcome rather than the journey itself which obviously we all know is really the more important part we just forget that from time to time yeah working. yeah I think that's why I try and focus as well that I'm a creative more so than an artist because I feel like as soon as I start honing down and being like an artist it's about the finished product it's about the finished pieces but when I keep thinking or going back to the fact that I'm a creative it's like it takes me back into just how I feel like it's a lifestyle a way of living it's a way of interacting in the world and making things a bit more playful and colorful and just how I experience life because it's not about the things that I end up producing but just the way of going about yep. life I think it's so important to have like elements of creativity and fun and joy in your life because it's those everyday moments that make up the big picture also it's it's a part of being a human being and I, I think I find it really sad when especially adults lose the art of creativity or they go oh no I haven't taught I haven't drawn since I was a kid it's like that's that's unlearning what's an innate need for humans to create and you've you, somewhere along the line they've been told they're not good at it or they shouldn't do it or you know spending time sketching of an evening or filling in a coloring book is a waste of time but if you watch kids um I've got four stepkids and I watch them and it's their whole day is creation. The whole day is, is pushing boundaries, using their imagination, thinking outside the box, playing, like playing is just creation. And we need it. We need it to grow. We need it to learn um, the boundaries of life. We need it to connect to others. And I, I guess that's part of why I, I, I love teaching art is because it reminds people that it's actually a necessary part of being a human being and 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 tapping into a side that usually gets lost and forgotten about yeah yeah I think two things have kind of come to me from there like the reason I kind of have a sketchbook rather than focusing on art pieces is like it's almost like just a way of documenting life and pulling elements of the real world into this sketchbook and the same with traveling it's like I I'm not here just on a piece of paper like 
planning a route being like, I like the look of this destination and I like the look of this place. It's like traveling's become, it's just a lifestyle where I'm completely out of my comfort zone and I'm vulnerable and I'm out there just connecting with different people and opportunities. And it's like about the journey, not the destination. Like I don't really care where I end up, you know, I might just shoot overseas and see where it takes me um, yep. rather than looking at the place because you don't know what's going to be at that place, but you know what experiences come when you're out there. Um, one word you just said then, I was actually speaking to my girlfriend about this and that's vulnerability. And mm. I love being vulnerable. The, kind of the juxtaposition, like the very word suggests that it's an uncomfortable, um, not a pleasant experience. But I've learned through my past, and maybe you can relate to this being um, having issues with um, an eating disorder, but being vulnerable is what makes me feel most alive. It makes me feel most excited, most kind of um, curious and just I embrace vulnerability. And I was, we were talking about um, alcohol and why um, people drink. And she made the obvious point, well, it's so that people feel less vulnerable and they don't have to feel as much. I was like, but isn't that the point? Like, don't you want to feel? Like, don't you want to be vulnerable? And we, we, we realised that we had a completely different viewpoint on for me, vulnerability is something I embrace and I want to feel. And for a lot of people, it's something that they have shied away from and they've learned that it's a scary thing to embrace. But I think when you can even take teeny weeny little risks and feel vulnerable on a really minor level, you realise there's some gain from that afterwards. And it's testing the boundaries of that vulnerability and constantly embracing and inviting more and more and more. Obviously yeah, not to your detriment of your like <laughs> physical health. You don't want to risk your life, but just just um, growing through through being more vulnerable and 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 yeah, going with the flow. It's a tricky thing to do. Um, yeah. Do you feel for yourself having gone through issues and struggles with anorexia that you have learnt to embrace the unknown and you've learnt to be more vulnerable? Or do you think they're not really linked? They're not really oh, I think related. Absolutely. It's, I mean, going through that has changed many aspects, but I think it's changed my mindset because I guess at every meal I was vulnerable, like especially in social situations where I knew my eating habits were funny or like I was so anxious and so distressed. Like I had to show up vulnerable all the time, like pushing myself. I mean, people would obviously realise, but I was really always having to challenge myself and be like out there trying new things when I was worried or scared or fearful of it and I think that helped me especially I think through therapy more than the experience of the eating disorder itself like change my mindset about vulnerability I no longer feel the need to run away from it I actually have a really healthy relationship with vulnerability now like I've been doing like life drawing modeling and things that I would never like I was oh, insecure so good I did that too I did it a few years ago Yay! and I I went as a, a guest like I just went to draw and then this, um, the organizer turned to me and kind of kept talking, kept going, come on, you know, give it a go, blah, blah, blah. And something inside me just went, you know, effort, I'm just going to do it. Next, you know, 10 minutes later, I'm naked, stood next to this absolute stranger, embracing him in this hold and everyone's drawing us. And it was the most liberating experience right? um, of probably my adult life. And I realized that all the hang-ups I'd had obviously in that moment I didn't just get over my eating disorder it took years and years and years to overcome but it was a really beautiful freeing moment like the vulnerability enabled me to actually just feel 
a release like I let go of all the anxiety and the stress and the and people were just looking at us like forms just like lines on a page just like shapes that they could capture and I'm thinking oh my god this is so freeing it's awesome and yet super vulnerable to be completely stalkers yeah I think it's crazy because I've yeah told a couple people like I couldn't think of anything worse like did you feel uncomfortable like I like how did you do that and I think yeah, not that I've shocked myself. Like, I'm, I think I'm pretty comfortable now. But I think, yeah, years ago, you know, like I was obviously changing what I was eating and not looking after myself to then change my body. And now I'm just embracing and liberating. It's such a – it's crazy that, yeah, not only are you kind of back in a healthy mindset but kind of being able to speak with such volume and, like, live life so boldly. Do you mind telling me a bit about what life was like when it was in rock bottom and, and what you went through? Yeah, so um, essentially it all started in my teens. So I was quite um, kind of a high achiever in sport and also just naturally tall. So I was offered a chance to trial for England lacrosse. And then at the same time, I was also scouted to um, do a bit of modelling. And on top of that, I was dealing with my sexuality. So I was... um, questioning kind of I wasn't really sure at that age but I was definitely going through kind of weird thoughts around that and not sure if I like men or women and then my parents separated and my granny died so all of that happened in the same kind of year and that just meant I felt completely out of control so I started restricting my food it wasn't really about trying to look a certain way it was just trying to feel a sense of control which is quite common for an eating disorder it then but later became about how I looked because that was the most obvious sort of signifier of how successfully I was starving myself and that went on for a few years to the point where I then was uh, putting my life at risk and I had to be admitted into A&E hospital and then I had two years as an inpatient in hospital so we're really fortunate in the UK that there's a few places where they're inpatient care kind of homes away from home really they're obviously a hospital but they are purely for rehabilitation and and getting kids back to a a weight or a um a mindset mental health state where they can function in society so unlike in australia it's really shocking to me you get like two weeks and then you're expected to just go out on your own and you relapse and it's just this vicious cycle so i had two years um in a mental health institute amazingly a lot of the kids there didn't have eating disorders so that meant there wasn't that element of competitiveness a lot of the children I have no idea why they were in there and I never will but it was quite a healthy as far as mental health institutes go um you know a hospital for kids who are severely mentally unwell it was quite a a loving kind nurturing supportive environment and there was a a little school attached so that was a two-year journey in hospital but the whole overcoming of anorexia took probably 10 years once I'd uh, put on the weight um, I hadn't really resolved any mental issues I hadn't resolved my anxiety my depression my self-loathing tried to take my life a few times and really ran away from myself by throwing myself into excessive exercise excessive studying travel like I could never sit still I was always searching for a escape searching for somewhere where I could feel 
distraction from all my internal pain. And it wasn't until I came to Australia on a whim, so I came up for a holiday, that um, I really kind of felt like, actually, I I think I can find myself here. For the first time, I hadn't run away from myself. It was almost like I was running towards a new me. And I was able to let go of the stigma and the labels and nobody knew me nobody knew my story nobody judged me for what I'd gone through my whole 20s were really lonely really really challenging because everyone could see that I was well to put it really bluntly messed up you know mentally I was really not in a good place after anorexia I'd had binge eating disorder which meant I compulsively stole food ate food and just really, really challenging for anyone who has never been through that to understand. I didn't understand what was going on with myself, so I can't expect my peers to, to get it either. Um, I did play rugby at uni, and that was a really lovely distraction because I put on doubled my weight in a year. And my coach thought, oh, wow, this, this lady's really committed to her sport. Well, in reality, I was really, really struggling. And it was just so that the, the rugby was a lovely disguise um for the huge amount of weight gain I I put on so really challenging teens um really challenging 20s even though I was of a healthy weight I was probably in a in a worse mental health state in my 20s and then I came to Australia when I was 24 and now I've been here a decade and through sunshine through lifestyle through reinventing myself not wanting to bring the labels of my past through maturity, through a load of self-work as in the form of uh, meditation, Reiki, yoga, loads of counselling. I went on a few mental health plans through um, Medicare, the, t- the 10 free sessions you get. I've just constantly worked on myself. My whole bookshelf was like a library of self-help books. And then I've, I've gotten to this point now where I actually feel like I've I've worked on me enough. I, I have a lot of self-awareness. I've got a lot of experience and growth from all of that darkness and all of that pain. And now I'm happy to say that I just focus on my career and my relationship and my kind of, they're not my stepkids yet because we're not married, but there's four little ones in my life. And I'm at a point where I don't have to, because it takes so much energy. I'm sure you can you can relate to this, but being mentally unwell is all consuming it's Mm -hmm. like you don't have any time energy or you've just got nothing left in the tank to mentally put towards anything else so even though I had the the creative ability and the passion and I had the um, athletic ability you know I've essentially been distracted and mentally overloaded for the all of my 20s it's only now that I'm really able to fortunately I can still run around a bit you know I'm not my knees aren't that old and I'm not I'm not quite over the hill yet so I still represent at state level but um the creative side I can really give my energy and time and and emotion to that because it's not taken up by the exhaustion of having a mental health condition Mm, that is just incredible to hear as well we've listened to a couple of your other episodes as well in your podcasting like a penguin like it's just pure anguish it's a lot of pain and a lot of like relearning and rediscovering through recovery like it's a massive massive progress like process that takes years so yeah I I think one thing that might be helpful for people who have no idea of mental health conditions and specifically talking to eating disorders is that 
the person I was when I was ill was a completely different person. So I, it wasn't me choosing to be unwell, me choosing to cause all that stress, pain for my family and disruption to those around me. It wasn't me choosing to be an attention seeker. It wasn't me choosing to be really, really skinny. And, you know, it it sounds a bit wishy-washy, but it's as if something overtook my brain. And and that person that that was inside my body that made me tie myself up at night to sleep because I didn't want to sleep because I felt like I'd you know, if I lay down, that would mean I was lazy. If I was lazy, that would equal fat. That person that made me walk across the street if I walked across past a bakery because I was like, I don't want to get those food particles in my brain. That person that made me run in the middle of the night in the snow in England in my knickers and, and no shoes because I wanted to stay as cold as I could to lose as much weight. All of that horrific um, behavior wasn't me, my soul. So one really scary thing that happened was my I've got um, really bright blue eyes my eyes change color to gray so literally the my soul I just wasn't there the Olivia that was prior to the anorexia wasn't there none of it was a choice it wasn't like I was I was I was becoming that something else was sort of in my mind but what that meant was that if I wanted to overcome anorexia I had to physically end that part of me so I had to, at the age of sort of 18, learn how to live again. It was bizarre. I had to learn what a healthy relationship with food was. I had to learn what a healthy relationship with movement and exercise, what a healthy relationship with people is, what a healthy relationship with myself is. So it's sort of like learning all of those fundamentals that you get when you're 18 months old or two years old and through your early kid, you know, childhood. I had to learn that again, but as an adult, and that's what I found really, really challenging, but also the most liberating and healthy, healthy may be the wrong word, but the most liberating experience was that because I had to learn how to live, literally how to be a person again, um, it meant I could choose behaviours and the way that I did things in a way that was going to best serve me. So everything we do is really dictated to us by previous uh, culture, our family, our, our schooling, our siblings. So we come out as a blank canvas, like every little baby. It's just the cuteness of flesh. It doesn't have personality. It doesn't have beliefs. It doesn't have morals. It doesn't have understanding about the world. But you take them on from, from your caregivers. You take them on from your parents, from your sisters, from your sibling, whatever, society. So it, I had a realisation that, okay, so I'm just going to take on the beliefs that are going to serve me to be the best version of myself. And it's almost like I had to choose how I wanted to construct my adult version of me because none of me or very, very little of Olivia was left at the end of 10 years of an eating disorder. I've never really said it like this before, but I guess I sort of created me the person I am today and I'm always on a mission to continue to create and tweak and add and take away and and how can I be the best version of myself and it all boils down to awareness and at the very very start of our conversation um in the intro you said and unfortunately you are anorexic 
pregnancy because I was anorexic as a really fortunate time in my life because it's enabled me to have this deep thinking, this deep awareness, this deep desire and, and, and knowing that I can choose to be the best version of myself and I take full ownership over how can I be kinder, how can I be more healthy, how can I be more loving, considerate, giving, all of these things. And I would not have had that awareness if I hadn't had to start again from scratch in my early twenties. Mm-hmm. Mm, it's kind of like that was tearing you down so that you can rebuild your foundations again. And that's, that's I it. think I've had yeah. a very similar experience with self-awareness is that like, yeah, from tearing myself down, I relearned how to eat and I relearned how to live and I relearned how to yeah. live and like function normally and go back to school because I wasn't there at school. And like, I relearned yeah. those things. And then, slowly once I was kind of stable again I started learning about mindset and emotional intelligence and like being aware of those things and it just doesn't stop it's like now I'm on a roll of learning about so many different things like intuition and creativity and yeah just this continual learning like we've learned we've been to be in this state of learning and pushing ourselves in that way and it's kind of just continued into like a yeah into these kind of things and I'm so glad because I mean, I'm only speaking by myself. I was such a shit when I was like, before anorexia, bossy. So I'm so glad I've been humbled by this, you know, having to look at myself and having to look at the fact that I was a show off because I wanted, I wanted friends. But you don't, you know, you can't teach a kid. Well, you can't go about being a friend because you're a bully or you can't get friends because you're showing off. You have to be kind and you have to share and you have to, you know, all of these things I learned later on and I'm so so grateful for those learnings because now I'm not as lonely and I'm now I'm not as you know a little brat <laughs> hopefully mm, yeah. and I come across as like nice and and I, I I'm interested in people and I'm curious the whole experience has taught me that the way I went about trying to get what I wanted essentially all of us just want to feel included and feel understood that that's yeah. the premise of what humans need we want to feel like we're enough we want to feel like we're understood and we want to feel a part of a tribe but a part of a social group bigger than ourselves and I didn't really feel like that as a kid and I certainly didn't feel like that when I had anorexia because I completely alienated myself but through that two decades of pain and hardship I've learned that the ways to get what I want the ways to feel included the ways to have a beautiful social network and the ways to feel like I'm enough as a human Um, and interestingly you touched on the fact that we're both really super sporty for me I felt like if I showed people how talented I was at sport and if I just like prove my worth and try to be the best that that would get me what I was looking for or what I needed and on a subconscious level all I wanted was to feel part of a team and so now I do still play one sport and I try and play at the, the best level I can, but all my other sports are purely just for fun, just for the social. Like all we do is just, we're terrible. We play netball and we're so bad, but I love it. And I love the team and it's just about having fun. And I, I have that approach with exercise in general is that if I'm not enjoying it, I don't do it. It's not a form of punishment. It's not a form of calorie controlling. It's not a form of trying to restrict or, or, dictate how my body looks I purely do it for fun and that's so important is the asking why we do what we do so it kind of loops back to the art as well is doing it for the the relaxing 
um, elements, doing it for the distraction, doing it for tapping into our imagination, doing it for a calming activity, doing it for the right reasons. And the outcome almost doesn't matter. And that's how I approach life. And I'm pretty sure that's how you approach life as well is why are you doing it? And is it going to serve you? Is it going to get you a result of, of positivity or health or wealth or whatever? And then if it is, then cool. If not, then don't do it. Mm, yeah, it's like talking about how our mindsets change. It's pretty incredible the life that then does come post-recovery. But it is unfortunate for those who are kind of struggling at the moment. Like it does feel like it's never going to end. And yes. there are a lot of challenges that kind of feel that are too big to overcome. And that's why I do want to, you know, run a marathon and raise awareness for mental health because it not only affects the individual but the families. And it is actually a really incredibly tough time that does feel like it's a long time like it's an incredible outcome when you do kind of move through it you can then have the opportunity to go back and enjoy sport and go back and enjoy creative passions but I think in the in the midst of it is actually a really hard time so I do just want to take a moment to say yeah I am kind of fundraising and helping spread awareness for mental health with the marathon coming up so there will be a link in the Instagram bio and on the kind of Spotify episode here but it's so important that we talk about mental health because as you know we're both really sporty people it's so easy to talk about if we've got the right runners if we've got the right shoes if we're training hard it's like it's just as important to be caring about our mental health are we checking in with ourselves are we exercising our mind and like nurturing it it's like they go hand in hand it's so important to have mental health as well as physical health can I um make a little suggestion on the when so often people have asked how did I overcome it you know how how are you not ill anymore how did you get through that dark patch um and one thing that I don't think is spoken about enough is the not ignoring of an issue but almost the choosing to focus on something other than the condition so let's take anorexia or let's take depression often when someone is super super depressed let's say that affects everyone obviously it affects the child it affects the family it affects the school it affects everybody is affected because energy spreads and you you can sense when someone's in a happy mood because the whole room sort of goes light and this and the same with depression it will spread but the one thing that I found really helpful when I was in hospital was talking about anything but the anorexia, talking about anything but depression. So we've acknowledged it. I'm in a hospital. I'm in a safe space. Obviously, I'm working on it from my day to day. For years, being anorexic was my identity. And so I felt like I couldn't get out of that because then who would I be without it? And then gradually, as certain guests who came to the hospital or certain friends, they would just start talking about other things and they would start normalising you know, the football that was on or the fact that they went to temping bowling or that they went and had a meal. And and I think sometimes we are so keen to help the person trouble or we're so keen to, to rid that thing from our lives and our child's lives who's struggling with it that we focus on it 24-7. But where your energy and attention goes, that thing will grow. So for me, when I went to, when I came out of hostel, I went to an all-boys all school that had just started taking in girls and it was so refreshing because 
to be honest, the boys just didn't care. No one would even comment on what I was eating. They would just be there, like, nomming down three burgers at lunch because they're growing boys and they'd have, like, chips at recess. And it was just so refreshing that not giving the anorexia voice and time and energy and focus meant that it kind of drifted away on its own a little bit. Like, that's obviously only one part of the picture, but I think it's really important to not speak to someone as if they have become that label if they've become that identity because it gives mm. them no opportunity to let go of that identity my my uncle unfortunately he's no longer with us he was an alcoholic and that's all we spoke about that's the only way we connected to him was his issues around alcohol and it's like well that's just keeping him bound to that identity why not talk to him about his love of cars or why not you know talk about the weather even if that's a really boring topic that English people talk about all the time but I think trying to bring some more normality and some other topics into the conversation when you talk to someone who's gripped with an illness or have mental health issues allows for an opportunity for something else to come into that person's life yeah yeah absolutely yeah we're not saying to dismiss it and let it go and it will get better but I think that's so so true is that when you start engaging in other activities and talking to other people about different things it allows you to create other identities so you're not just all the girl who's sick and trying to get better by talking to that issue 24 7 it's just keeping it's just keeping it in the forefront of everyone's mind so it's a balance it's a delicate balance of acknowledging that there's issues and you obviously need to talk about them but then in situations that you don't want let's take anorexia so at meal times when you don't want the anorexia at its absolute peak talk about something else like it's getting it's getting a balance of a bit of normality because you can get so overwhelmed by the problem that that becomes the sole focus and that just grows then yeah 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 and touching back in onto identity as well like it's so easy to lose your identity in the midst of it, but it's so yep. powerful when you start focusing on other things. And, like, I started putting more time into art and sport in different areas that then made me realise I'm so much more than the identity that I had as someone who was unwell. Like, I'm also a creative and I'm a sporty person and I love this and I love travelling. And it's almost then to the point where, you know, I would travel and I never needed to bring it up and I never needed to feel like that was a part of me. It's like, well, now yep. I'm someone who loves these things. That's part of my past. And it's like, obviously, healing doesn't just happen like that where you just mitigate it out. But I think focusing on other aspects of yourself. And then I think that also helped you kind of that depression and reasons to get better was I, I remember in hospital, they said, like, write a list of, like, pros and cons of recovery. And I only had, like, pros of staying sick. Like, there was I, no – I felt like there was no reason to live. Yeah. And it wasn't until I slowly started building that of, like, hey, like, I love these things and these are the things I want to get better for that it made me feel more connected. It made me get more excited and it just helped me realise there's so much more to life than this. It's really challenging because when you – as you would know, when you're anorexic and you starve your brain of the nutrients it needs, depression is an absolute knock-on effect of that. And then you do struggle to find joy or reasons to live or, you know, any kind of future. It's very challenging to imagine that. But one thing my mum said to me when I was in a really, really dark place, I tried to take my life and she said, sweetheart, imagine if you put all the determination 
energy, effort and commitment that you are putting into to killing yourself, imagine if you put that towards something positive. And I couldn't think of a positive. I had no idea what the positive was, but it, it kind of hit a switch and it hit a nerve and I've gone, I kind of made sense. I could, I could rationalise that because what she'd spoken to was the fact that she acknowledged it was immensely challenging, a huge commitment, like took all of my energy, time and effort to remain ill. And part of me, probably the anorexic part, but wanted that to be justified, wanted that to be acknowledged. And then when mum said, why don't you put that towards something positive? Well, I can't argue with that. Like there is actually, there's no downside to putting all of that effort into something positive. I just then had to figure out what that positive was. But that was a really important identifier for me that one, she acknowledged that I was putting so much energy and effort towards something, but also that it didn't have to be something that was going to kill me. Um, yeah, that's just so super... powerful. That's yeah, so my mum, bless her, she's a Aww. wise thing. <laughs> I wouldn't Aww. be here if it wasn't for her. But um, do you know, to be an addict or to to have mental health issues and to get through that every single day, we there's so much negativity. There's fear. There's shame. There's intolerance. There's confusion around it. But if you strip it all back, really, it takes a freaking effort. It takes mm. so much energy. If you don't know the answer and if you feel like a dead end and there's no light, there's something about what you're doing to yourself that has a positive characteristic to it. And you can you can put that towards something mm, in the future. Just, yeah, fighting gives you so much strength. Like even if you are just getting out of bed, it seems like the easiest thing. But when it's hard, like that takes so much strength yeah. to do yeah. that. And that strength and those kind of like determination and endurance that you have through those hard times is also the exact same strength that you need to do like to take into make positive change as well yeah 100 percent. in terms of outwardly achieving things I've probably on paper achieved more in my life in the last few years but really I know deep down I think you know what this is nothing to compared to trying chocolate for the first time after five years well this is nothing compared to sitting after a meal the 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 wins that seemingly are so minuscule when you are dealing with a mental health issue those are going to be the big wins that in the in your future that you can draw back on and think you know what back then I achieved that huge thing for me was mammoth that means you know doing this not not a piece of cake and excuse the pun but like it's so much it's so much simpler in comparison it just it's just so character building when you can overcome what seems to everyone else like such an easy thing but you know deep down it's a massive achievement yeah well everything's relative as well like I know that yeah in my recovery eating a meal that I feared or putting on weight was harder and scarier and more fearful than me going backcountry and snow camping for the first time. Like I had a personal locator beacon. I had to learn like, you know, how to get out of an avalanche. And even that, I was like, that's wow, still that's like cool. the level of fear. Yeah, which is amazing. <laughs> but it's still, it's like knowing that I put myself to that amount of time is relative because if someone else has to eat that same meal, I'd be like, oh, yum, it's nothing. But like that yeah. fear of like uh, overcoming fear. But I think it's important to acknowledge those, especially if you're still in the grip of a, a challenging mental health condition is we focus on and it, this is a survival thing and this also helped me in my recovery is that I read up on what it is to be a Neanderthal human being so 
back in caveman times, we needed to find fault in ourselves. We needed to evolve quickly. We needed to let go of the weakest member of our tribe or, you know, if someone was injured, well, sorry, you're going to get eaten by a saber-toothed tiger. Like we constantly had to define, we had to find fault in ourselves in order to progress. So we are wired to look at the negatives as a, a form of um, staying alive, a, a form of being able to, you know, exist and uh, evolve. The problem is we actually don't need to do that in a modern day life because it's so safe. So we forget that it's really important to look at our positives and our strengths mm. and our, um, we need to constantly remind ourselves that we need to be grateful and we need to speak kindly to ourselves. Like all of our thoughts, I've done a bit of research on this, but we have about 70,000 thoughts a day and about mm. 80% of those are thoughts that we've had the day before. So mm -hmm. most of our thoughts are repeated and 80% of those thoughts are negative. So pretty much we're spending the majority of our time in our head criticizing ourselves or our life around us. We're being negative. So it's a choice and it absolutely is something that I had to do in recovery and I'm sure you have too, is to, to make a point of thinking positively about ourselves being grateful for things, constantly looking at the the positives around us, but also what we've achieved and not put ourselves down because we are absolute pros. Every single human is a pro at putting themselves down because that's how we needed to be to survive. But we, we need to remind ourselves that even if it's putting on a gram or even if it's not making ourselves sick after eating, even if it's going for a walk you wanted to go for a run but you know what you put your trainers on and you got out and you were in nature like we have to remind ourselves that these things are these things are worth celebrating and these things are going to help to change our mindset from self-deprecating and limiting to someone that's proud and happy and grateful and positive and the more you acknowledge your positives the more you're going to want to do those positives because it just feels awesome yeah absolutely it's all it's all relative like it's such a huge achievement. Like for those who got out of bed today, that's absolutely like, and struggle, like that's massive for those who showed up to school, for those who like showed up to the table, like all those things yeah. are massive. And it's so easy to compare on social media to those who are doing, you know, big things and like showing up. And, like, but it's those steps in your own recovery of where you're at that are huge and like need to be celebrated. Like it's incredible. Yeah. We have to remind mm. ourselves what we've like at the end of every day, I go through my day and just before I drift off to sleep and think about what I'm grateful for. But it's about constantly almost taking control of your mindset. It's not, it's not ignoring the challenges and the pain and the, the struggles, but it's, it's choosing to give a little light and shine some light and focus on some positives. And yes. in time you'll realize that on a subconscious level, you'll be looking out for those positives without even realizing it. Yeah, I think it's about celebrating the small wins. Yep, 100%. All of yep. them. All the ones that go unnoticed by others but not yourself. All the small wins that you don't even think would matter or are worthy of, like, speaking of or saying. Like, I think it's important that everyone to take the time to, like, yeah, celebrate the small wins that they're yep. And it doesn't have to be something that you directly have achieved or even anything in relation to you as a person. It can just be how grateful that we are, that we're – it's – not raining today or that I've had a meal or that I'm li living in a developed country and I don't have to walk 10 miles to get water like that 
for me really helped to change my mindset before I could take any personal sense of achievement or pride for anything it was what in my life can I be happy for yeah yeah and what what a beautiful note to kind of end on as well just about gratitude and choosing the positives in the hardship but also still embracing those like embracing the small wins that you're having in the times that are hard like there's no point sugarcoating it like it is a really hard time so yeah I really appreciate your kind of vulnerability and honesty into kind of an insight with your mental health and for those who are listening it'll be like the link in the bio on my instagram and spotify to help yeah to donate towards eating disorders family australia because not only does it affect the individual but um the whole family and community so yeah i really appreciate you being able to help spread awareness and insight into that as well no my absolute pleasure and um yeah i just i think i'll leave by just saying get creative for the process guys don't worry about the outcome and you'll be surprised just how much value you can gain from a quiet moment put the kettle on just get some pens out or some a little pencil sketch pad or just it is so important and it is so nurturing and it's such a gift to give to yourself that little quiet moment of creativity so i encourage you if you haven't done it in years or months why not try today